when we're children, we don't realize that we're watching our parents grow up too. So as a child, you know, if you go through things as a child or even as a teenager or a young adult, you turn to your parents because that's who you, you look up to, to teach you the things that you should know. You mirror the things that they do because you think that's how it's supposed to be done or, you know, how you're supposed to deal with things. And that's not always entirely the, the best case scenario. everyone this is greg washington and welcome to the next episode of guards down i have with me today taisha mcneil how you doing doing well thank you good good tell us a little bit about yourself okay uh that's such an open-ended question um so i am 33 year old female well i'm almost 33 i'm a single mother of one nine-year-old boy and I am a business development consultant as well. That's my, my passion. But for a living, I write proposals for the government. How I kind of got on that track is I went to school actually for psychology. And I decided that that is something that I wasn't ready to continue pursuing at the time. And I needed a little bit more after graduating college. So got the opportunity to start with government contracting. And so I went down that route instead. And it just took me a lot further than I thought it was going to, to where I've been able to create like other opportunities from it. The psychology never left my mind, obviously. It was just something that I needed more support in as a, another track. So I am... I was originally born in South Carolina, Camden, South Carolina, a little small town girl, but I'm an army brat. So um, I moved everywhere with my dad while he was in the military and we landed at Fort Bragg, North Carolina, which is where I call home because that's where my parents are. Wherever my parents are is where I call home. If they moved at this point, I don't think that I would be able to call just wherever home. Honestly, I'll probably still say Fayetteville's home, but which is still kind of weird for me, but mm -hmm. um, so I, about a year ago, moved out to Texas to pursue career opportunities, and it's been rewarding and challenging all at the same time, if I do say so. I guess up until now, that's kind of where I'm at, <laughs> gotcha. unless you have any other questions about that. Yeah, yeah. No, so what got you into psychology? Well, I was very interested on how the individual mind worked and how, like, why people thought the way they thought and why they did the, the way, did things the way that they did them. I wasn't, I was a little girl that always asked why. Um, my dad hated it because, <laughs> you know, parents, they tell you because I said so or whatever, but I wanted to know why, everything, why, why, why. And I just couldn't. Um, I wanted to wrap my head around why people operated the way they did. 
not, and I wasn't so interested in like a sociology and studying groups or anything like that. I wanted to study the individual. And also it helps in understanding people and yourself a lot more. Gotcha. Okay, so with that in mind, this is my first big question, right? So there are, of course, the different stigmas in cultures, right? And so it is kind of a taboo to talk about the trauma or the grief you, you've been through. What's your take on talking about your trauma or your grief? I'm more open to it now. I would say in my past, I've always been the one who was the friend that was there for everybody. You know, you could call me and you could depend on me. You could talk my ear off and tell you what I do. I never gave unsolicited advice. I can't stand that. But I was I, I felt like I wasn't the person that had somebody else to turn to really. And it just seemed like anybody that I would want to talk to, I couldn't really, I couldn't really unfold. So now that I'm older, I saw a counselor because I thought, you know, lots of successful people have counselors. I should have someone that I could turn to as well. So I'm a lot, I'm a lot more open because I'm not as ashamed of the things that I went through because I blame myself for a lot of the trauma or just the grief that I've endured in my own life. And I'm sure that other people are the same way, but the more you talk about it, the more people understand that they're not alone and that um, they probably can relate or, you know, it just, it makes you feel more comfortable, I guess, talking about it once you've started because you start to tell your story. Okay, so you brought up a couple of topics, then versus now, right, in the, the blame game. So the then versus now part, do you feel like you were taught from your family, from your surroundings, how to deal with trauma and grief uh, versus what you learned over time? Absolutely not. And that is no one's fault. I'll be completely transparent about that. That's no one's fault because they weren't taught. So I, I read somewhere and I cannot remember where I saw this, but I told it to a friend, which was when we're children, we don't realize that we're watching our parents grow up too. So as a child, you know, if you go through things as a child or even as a teenager or a young adult, you turn to your parents because that's who you um, you look up to to teach you the things that you should know. You mirror the things that they do because you think that's how it's supposed to be done or you know how you're supposed to deal with things. And that's not always entirely the, the best case scenario. But would I say that that set me up? <laughs> no. And I uh, at times I was very angry just thinking like, gosh, like, why didn't you, you know, why didn't you tell me to do this? Or why didn't you tell me to do that? But, you know, no one can really tell you, you have to learn your own lessons. But um, I, I just had, all of it was learning lessons and then just kind of learning how to cope, um, learning how to go about things differently. And I can say that I have probably screwed up a million times and just learning, being able to learn from my past mistakes, not just mistakes, because like, we we're talking about the blame game. It may not be a mistake. It may just been something that I dealt with. Well, I know how to deal with it differently next time. Mm -hmm. So 
to to speak more on the blame game portion of it, and and to go back, you made a really good point about as children or as kids, we're also watching our parents grow up as well, right? Mm -hmm. Because you know nobody's having been through the situation, so it's more so everybody is kind of winging it as they go, right? So there's there's no optimal solution. There's no real right or wrong to it. Uh, it's a learn and grow game. Right. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so that, that was a good that was I like the way you put, you know, uh, watching your parents grow. I mean, I, I've been in that, you know, myself and and I've kind of learned that point as well. So that's really good. So that's that's a good key takeaway. The blame game. Right. How did it come to where you started blaming yourself either for your own trauma and grief or for someone else's? And how did you get out of it? Uh, well, I, I don't know when I started, how I started, maybe because I don't know where I started seeing myself as this completely responsible person. Even as a younger child, like my dad told me I was bossy. I don't think I was bossy. I just, <laughs> <laughs> I knew how to do things and they didn't. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, um, I don't know when or where that started, but I just either I was given a lot of responsibility and I would say that in my family, expectations were high of me. And so maybe that is where I began to take responsibility for my own trauma and sometimes other people because also took the role of my, my friends or my family, or even in relationships, like a protector role. Like, you know, I, I didn't want anything to happen. And I would, I'm a loyal person and I'm, I would never let anybody do anything to harm somebody that I care about. So I guess, you know, being that way just put me in this, this role of taking on the burdens of everyone, including things I didn't have control over things that were happening to myself, like I would think, well, I could have done this differently or I could have done that differently. Sometimes that's not the truth because sometimes there's nothing you can do to change an outcome of a situation. You just kind of have to accept what it is and then work through it. Mm -hmm. I, I guess, um, so I never ask any of my people that come on to, you know, go, into more detail about you know what their experience is and what they want to but I do have to ask you right if your younger self was out there and you think back on any one of your traumatic experiences in life what would you want to tell her or him specifically that might be out there that might be going through what you went through ask for help that would have been my first thing ask for help whether it have been advice whether it you know, was physical help or um, mental, emotional help. It would have been asked for help and not thinking that I had to shoulder everything myself. And part of it as a young adult or a teenager could have been in my own pride too, some of it. Cause you know, when you're a teenager or even a young adult, you think you know everything or how to deal with everything. And that's not true at all. I still don't know everything and I'm almost 33 years old. So that would be a big thing for me, which would be ask for help. 
Okay. So in asking for help, who should they try to identify with? Who, who should they try to seek? Who, who's there? The person out there. Uh, what, what advice would you give as far as picking someone to go and, and get seek help from? Someone to seek help from? It could be um, someone you trust, someone that you feel is stable in your life. And if you, if you don't feel that someone is stable in your life, then, you know, I would always, I would always say go see or seek professional help. Tell a counselor, like if, if it's a child in school, tell a counselor, um, tell a supervisor if it's at work, tell, you know, get a, a counselor, a private counselor some type of counseling because they're going to look at whatever is going on objectively and they're not going to see it from the inside out they'll see it from the outside in and be able to help you or guide you in the direction that you need to go I don't think I ever in my younger years there were times that I did ask for help but for other people which is crazy that I wouldn't ask for it for myself but uh I never I never sought the advice of like a guidance counselor or anything like that. I think my, my own mother was a safe place for me uh, when I was younger. She was, um, it's because it's your mom, you know, nurturing, caregiver. Yeah, my mom, she made it very clear that even into my adulthood that she wanted her children to be able to come to her with any and everything. Doesn't matter what it was. And the thing with that was, you know, as my mother she was able to be there for me but she wasn't always able to solve problems that may have been beyond her um so that's where i would say go seek professional um, advice or help or whatever hey guys it's jerome greg and i wanted to invite you to the community that we created for the whole guards down family jump on facebook or check the show notes for the guards down facebook there you'll be able to find a community of folks who are committed to raising awareness about complex grief and PTSD. Look forward to chatting with you guys in the group. Now let's get back to the episode. Okay, so to, to stick with this then versus now, right? So understanding that, you know, your parents were there, but you didn't learn all the coping skills that you now have, you know, to deal with trauma and, and grief. What would you teach your son being a single parent? <laughs> um, one of my big things for him is ask for help. I actually have a, to my uh, left over here, I have a board that has like his chores and everything written on it. And one of the things says, if you don't know something, ask. So I always encourage him to ask for help. Of course, like my own mother, I encourage him to come to me for anything that he needs but I also tell him to talk to the adults around him I said if you can't if you can't speak up and tell them what's going on they can't help you so some you need to be able to express and that's difficult for adults and children just expressing themselves and I know that's been a battle for me so I mean I, it may not seem like it now um, I've always been very talkative, but on an emotional level, there were only so many people that I felt like I could trust. And sometimes those people weren't able to help me in the ways that I needed. Got you. And you, you brought up a great point because I, I was going to hit on it, right? Giving the advice to your son to ask for help, you know, when, when he doesn't know or doesn't understand. 
And then the big part is as an adult as well, uh, mm -hmm. being able to go to someone and ask for advice or just to talk to, you know, to, to have an open ear of sometimes just being able to speak it out loud just so you can get it out helps you to be able to process it and resolve it. So those are really, really good points. I really appreciate you. I'm working on him. He worries me because he's a little, he's, he's a sweetheart. So he's very quiet and he's, he's a charming little boy. So, but he doesn't express himself openly. Happiness. Yes. Excitement. Yes. But things like, or even if he cries about something, you ask him, you know, why are you upset? He won't say. And so we're working on that to get him to open up. Mm -hmm. So Which should, I realize it's hard for a lot of people. Should someone, now this is the, the outside looking in, right? So this is not someone going through the trauma or the grief, but someone that is seeing a person go through it. What advice would you give them as far as either being able to approach the person or even identifying, you know, that there might be something wrong so that, you know, they can either let them know that they're there or open the door up or, you know, helping or helping them get help. As far as like referrals or things like that, do you mean? Um... I mean, if you saw one of your friends or colleagues or, you know, family members, uh, you know, that, that you interact with go through PTSD or grief, right? How do you identify it that, you know, there's something wrong and what's your approach to, to try and, and help them? <laughs> okay, so um, this is the part that I talked about where I've been that person. I'm, I'm usually the shoulder and <laughs> the shoulder for a lot of people, friends, family, I don't mind being there for anyone. And nine times out of, out of 10, I'm going to be the person that they open up to before. But my mistake is thinking that I can carry things for them. <laughs> so when it comes to the, the part where I mess up at is I carry too much for the people that I care about. And then I have a hard time breaking them away to give get them help so you know where they need it because they become attached to me and then it becomes draining for me but I'm not you know I haven't been trained as a professional I'm I'm nobody's counselor I'm just I guess comforting um right. for the most part um so that is a weak point of mine and I'm totally working on that which is encouraging more of my friends and family to see a counselor mm -hmm. some of them can tell you that I'll be the first to tell them to go see a counselor and a lot of people are very very resistant to it because they don't want to reveal themselves to somebody they don't know mm -hmm. but the part that they're missing is that it's confidentiality so they can they need to find a safe place other than people that are extremely close to them because it changes the relationship a lot of the time. Correct. So the part that you hit on, because you, you were saying you're the shoulder for a lot of people and you have to carry, help them carry, let alone carry the weight. Uh, there's a term for it called compassion fatigue. 
Oh my God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I just wanted to throw that term out there because when 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 people, when you know what you're dealing with, when you can define it, when you can put a name to it, you can then put an action plan in place to overcome it. And so mm-hmm. when you were talking about it, you know, it, it a red light, it was it just is compassion fatigue that she normally goes through when she's having to help someone further than what you know the extent of what you wanted to or your resources would allow you to and so uh whether that be um mentally physically financially you know that is is fatigue so you you brought up another good point so i'm I'm glad that came out um i'm so empathetic i'm telling you i just you know it's just it's part of having a good heart you want to help other people but you don't know where to stop. Correct. So that's part of that's part of me having to find a way to deal with that on my own too. Correct. And so most folks, when you are out there looking to help someone, uh, before you help, I guess you got to do an internal inventory of yourself and how far you're willing to go to say, okay, this is the resources that I have within me, whether it's financial or whether it, it, it's you know the mental or emotional capacity to deal with it. So that when you know you start to reach that point, you can you can pull out, and that's when you definitely need to have your backup of hey, look, I know someone that can help you on a professional level, and and that way you know you can kind of pass them off so that you know they can continue to get the help and still show that support versus you know having to cut them off cold turkey and and it, and it mm-hmm. being, you know another situation so. Right. I mean, I've never had to cut like my family or anybody like that off cold turkey. It creates a little bit of a stir, but never to the point where I have to cut them off. Like eventually problems start to iron themselves out or they start to iron them out themselves. And Mm -hmm. then they become, you know, okay. And a little bit more emotionally balanced. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Well, um, I wanted to, to kind of wrap this up. If you, you would, you know, hit some of the highlights, what would be some of your final words that you want to say to, you know, your, your audience or to, you know, that special person out there that might be going through what you're going through? Well, uh, I guess a key point would be like, if you're like me and you get, would you say compassionate fatigue? Compassionate fatigue. <laughs> Because mm-hmm. I'm passionate, compassionate, empathetic, all that good stuff. But if you are anything like me, then you need help yourself. And I'm I'm sure of it. So like I said, like even for, for children, for adults, anybody that's going through something, I would say to ask for help. Like, don't let your pride be your downfall. Like that is a really big thing. Pride is all ego. Um, and it's it's really self-preservation, but really, you know. And I'll just tell you, you have some some things that you probably need to um, focus on. I wish that I had, it was a link or a website that I I saw one day on Facebook um, after I moved to Texas because I was dealing with some homesickness and just a lot of big changes in my life at the time. And so I saw something and I said, okay, I want to talk to somebody because I, I was alone. I wish I had... If later I can comment or anything, I will share it. 
but I was able to, I was able to find a counselor based on there's a whole like list of them. Um, and you could find a woman counselor or a man counselor if that's what you prefer based on, you know, whatever it is you need help with. They have, you know, some of them are very specialized. Some of them are, they do everything. Um, yeah. I wouldn't suggest one of those, no offense. <laughs> because you want somebody who's going to be able to help you with whatever it is. And I actually was able to find a counselor that was, she asked me if faith-based counseling was okay with me. Mm -hmm. And my answer was absolutely. And so I found somebody that I've been with like for over a year. And even though, you know, I feel great sometimes, I don't, I don't need her all the time, but just knowing that I do have somebody that I could call is comforting but also it's she's become a lot more like a life coach as well and we talk a lot about goals and things like that just keeping me on track when i'm at my high and when i'm at a low she helps me to balance and be stable yeah. emotionally i gotta find that i actually texted her earlier when i knew i was going to be doing this but i didn't get a reply but i'm going to find it so i can share it okay yeah please do i, I know we said we were going to to kind of wrap it up on here but just the fact that you you brought up finding a counselor that fits you, uh, that hits another point. Cultural mm -hmm. sensitive therapy, which is another thing that we're pushing with guards down. And mm -hmm. so finding a therapist or a counselor that either looks like you or has been through the same things you've been through so that the connection can be a lot deeper, right? So when someone can relate to you on a, a different level other than just a counselor and a patient, the connection can be much more deeper in the sense of they understand what you're going through and the treatment will be more effective. And that so is absolutely I, true. I, I, I definitely agree with- I take uh, my shoes off when I go in her office and <laughs> there's a blanket that I always take or whatever. Like I'm at home on my couch, that's how I feel. Yeah. So. Yeah, I definitely found somebody I feel like is for me and I chose her myself. So um, out of a whole bunch of them, I don't, you know, and if, if I didn't like her, well, not personally, it's nothing personal, but if I, I didn't like the counselor that I was going to, then yeah, I would, I would find another one. There you go. Yep. Yeah. So don't feel like, and this is for the audience, don't feel like you have to deal with the counselor that you know that you were issued unless they use army term um find one so i i appreciate those those last words um anything else you would like to say no just thank you <laughs> all right thank you for what you're doing and having me so i appreciate you all right everyone this is taisha and greg with guards down we are saying stay safe Stay focused and stay engaged. We're signing out. Bye.